going to start yet. Uh, we are going to color. Actually, we're going to draw. There are no crayons in here. We're going to draw. So make sure you have a pen or a pencil and your paper. This is what you need to do. On one side of your paper, you need to make a list of positive and negative attributes about yourself. Be honest. You're not showing these to anybody. You're not discussing these with anybody. These are for you. So don't be brutal to yourself. Sometimes when we're doing these exercises, there, there are those of us who tend to focus on our most negative traits and they're like, I'm terrible. Don't do that. If you're one of the people who tends to focus on negative traits, then I'm gonna challenge you to write your positive list first. And on the other side of the spectrum, if you know yourself to be someone who is more prone to think of only your positives, then you can maybe challenge yourself to think of your negatives. The point is you should have equally balanced lists. You shouldn't just write negatives or just positives. That is on one side of your paper. On the other side of your paper, you're gonna get a little artistic and you are going to draw a selfie. And this is a selfie of your spiritual attributes. This is not a selfie of your physical self. You are going to draw, in my case, it's gonna be stick figure me uh, in a way that shows my spiritual attributes as physical attributes. This is a selfie that only you are going to see. In fact, if it was a selfie on your phone, you might be really compelled to delete it. It is not one you are going to willingly put on Instagram. It has no filters. You are not wearing makeup and you might have morning hair and it's not gonna be that pretty. Don't, don't only draw your positive attributes draw a very accurate spiritual selfie on your second side. You have only five minutes to do this. For some of you, that'll feel like a long time. For some of us, it'll go quickly. So five minutes start now.
All right, we're gonna reference back to these. So you can put them maybe in your, in your Bible. Don't, don't put them too far, so don't bury them in your purse. We'll reference back to it at the end. Um, but for now, I want you to think, what do people see when they see that selfie? What do you see when you see that selfie? What does God see when he sees that selfie? We won't be using those exact questions, but those are kind of the themes that are going to guide us through this passage uh, this morning. Uh, we are continuing this morning our series on the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. Last week, Pastor Hans Eric talked about the Beatitudes, and I know that it's been a whole week for us, but in real time, it was no more than a breath between the Beatitudes and today's passage. So today we are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. If you want to follow along, that's page 958 in your pew Bible. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, now I know I said no one needs to see your selfie or your attribute list, but I wonder, by show of hands, if anyone wrote salt and light on theirs. Salt or light. Did anyone? You are the salt and the light. And we don't think of ourselves like that. I think I, myself, tend to think of myself as, I have to work on this thing, and oh, I have to work on this other thing, and I really need to do better in this area. And so when I read that I am the salt or I am the light, I think to myself, albeit subconsciously, I think to myself, not yet. I will be good enough to be the light when I work on this thing and I, I look like Christ in this area. But if you'll remember last week, when Hans Eric was reading through the Beatitudes with us, he said, blessed are, and the list followed. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are all of these things that you possess as a disciple of Christ. It was not, blessed are those people who follow these things in Christ, but not necessarily me. It included you. 
just as the salt and the light includes you this morning. So when I say you are the salt and the light in this, in this message, you just need to own that. Imperfections and everything else aside, you are the salt and the light because Christ said when you are his disciple, you are. Now, what does that actually mean? <laughs> I think saltiness means something really different now. In fact, if you uh, Google what does it mean to be salty, it uh, tells you that you are petulant and angry. Uh, so if you are salty and you are not the salt, that's probably not a good thing. We kind of think of it as rubbing salt in the wounds, something abrasive and painful. But Jesus said you are the salt and it meant something very, very different. I think when a lot of us read this passage on our own, in our own time, and it says you are the salt, our first thought is, well, we add flavor. If we are the salt, then we add flavor. That's what salt does in our time and in our culture. Salt is not necessarily a good thing. Too much salt is definitely not a good thing. But we do need salt, at least in our bodies. We need salt to function. In our society, salt is so prevalent that sometimes we kind of don't. <laughs> sometimes we need to stay away from it. If you have interpreted this passage to mean that as salt of the earth, you are the flavor that Jesus desires in this world, you're not wrong, but that's incomplete. The way we see ourselves, the way the world sees us as Christians, is different. And sometimes as Christians, we think to ourselves, we are the chosen of God. And they are them. They are not the chosen. Sometimes non-Christians see us and they say, they are those God people. They do things strangely and sometimes they're offensive. We don't like what they do necessarily, but we are the good ones. There's a division in how we see ourselves, sometimes. And so there's a danger in saying that we are the salt as in we are the right flavor for this earth. There's a little bit of a problem that it maybe separates us and says we are the right and they are the wrong and that's the end of the story. When in reality, all that separates us from them is something that was really rather quite beyond our control. All that separates the us from the them is that we chose to accept Christ's grace in our lives and became his disciples. But that comes with a charge so when we choose to accept God's grace in our lives and become disciples of Christ, our charge is to live in such a way 
that it is not us versus them, but us living for them, for the glory of God. So when we say we are salt as in the flavor that God prefers in the earth, that's not quite right. And so maybe we should study a little bit into what salt is. Did you know that salt was once so imperative to the function of the world and society that the Romans would pay their soldiers in salt? And so a Roman soldier who was not very good or useful, well, he was just not worth his salt. And that's where that phrase comes from. Something so important that it can be used as currency does not sound like mere food flavoring. We live in a time of refrigeration, and I think we are all very glad for that. Jesus did not live on this earth in a time of refrigeration. So without salt, food would rot and be inedible. And not only that, but salt was used in agriculture to change the makeup of the ground so that it could be more fertile for planting. That means that in his time, without salt, the world was filled with decay, and without salt, the earth was unreceptive to that which needed to be planted. So we are not the icing on the cake, which isn't strictly necessary, and we are not the flavor of life. Instead, we are that which Jesus uses to keep the world from destruction. We are necessary to God's purpose. We have a purpose, each and every one of us, and to each and every one of us, that purpose is really quite urgent. Now, not only this, we are not just the salt, but we are also the light. And nobody lights a light simply so that they can proceed to hide it and not use it. They light it so that they can see in the darkness. So we are the salt that keeps the world from crumbling under its own decay, and we are the light that shines in the darkness. Neither of these things, salt or light, is important in its own right. Salt is only valuable because it preserves or gives flavor to something else. Nobody, at least nobody who's entirely sane, buys rotting meat simply so that they can put their salt to use. The value of both of these things comes in its application to other things. So if being a disciple of Christ means that we are salt and light in the world, then our purpose is in our application to this world. We live out our purpose to this world in order to glorify God. 
we must interact with those who are not yet disciples. And sometimes this is kind of difficult as Christians because we, we tend to think, I, I'm sure some of you have heard, we are in the world but not of it. There is some truth to that, but there is some deception in that too. We are of the world because God created the world and God created culture and God placed us in the world and when we became Christians, God did not take us out. Instead, what he created was good and he said so. We are in the world and right now we are of the world. As disciples of Christ, we're held to a higher standard, a standard which Hans Eric spoke about or began to speak about last week. We are called to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. We are called to be poor in spirit. That means we are called to know that we can't make ourselves righteous. We have to depend on Christ. We are called to depend on God in all things, We are called to love as Christ has loved. And those things set us apart from culture, but they do not take us out of the world. It is very hard to be loving when you don't ever get a chance to demonstrate that. We are meant to interact with the world Otherwise, there is no point to being salt. And yet, that's very hard. As I said earlier, sometimes as as people of different backgrounds and different religions, uh, we point fingers and we like to blame or we like to make things difficult on each other. And as Christians, we notice that when we are trying to live in merciful ways, when we are trying to live in just ways, when we are trying to live in ways that are, um, that are harm- harmonious and trying to be Christ-honoring in places that don't want us to be. I think the other side of the coin is that people see us and they say, you say you're loving, but that was an unloving way to act. You say you're just, but I don't think your justice is my justice. And so these things are very difficult, and it becomes a balancing act. How do we balance living out the commandments, living out the Beatitudes, being loving, just, merciful disciples of Christ in a world that is difficult to live in because, quite frankly, the world is in need of salvation. The world is in need of preservation for Christ. How do we live in balance in a world that is rotting underneath us? How do we live in such a way that we're not just in balance, but we are preparing the earth to be fertile for planting? How do we live in such a way that brings glory to God in a world that is struggling in darkness? That is our balancing act. Now let me tell you something else about light. We as disciples do not get our light and our righteousness from within ourselves. 
we get it from the source of light, which is Jesus Christ. We are a reflection of the light that Christ gives us. So if we shine light into the darkness, but our source is not Jesus Christ, let's say our source is something else. Let's say instead of bringing glory to God, we want to bring glory to ourselves. Suddenly, we are the source of our own light, and we reflect that onto the world. I kind of imagine that to be like a blaring disco light or a strobe light that causes migraines. That is not the light of Christ. Well, in my mind, maybe you really like strobe lights and you think that is the light of Christ. If your source is not from God, then your light is not the light that should be shining on the earth. The light source must come from God. The source of the saltiness must come from God. So Christ talks about if you lose your saltiness, how can you get it back? Well, you can't. And so as disciples, we need to be constantly learning how to be more like Jesus Christ, how to be loving and just in this world, and how to live that out. We need to constantly be learning and growing. That includes going to church and having your quiet time and having small groups and being in fellowship with Christians. But if you live in your own little bubble, in your own little Christian zone, and you never branch out, then you are hiding your light underneath a basket. And there's no point to that. You are not living out your purpose. So on the one hand, continue to keep your saltiness and continue to gather light from the source of light. That's your growth. That's your time of learning. That's your time of fellowship. That's your time of trying and striving to be more like Christ. But also, use that salt for its purpose and use that light for its purpose by letting it augment the world and shine on the world. And that means you need to interact with others in the same way that Jesus taught you to. You need to bring what you learned in your discipleship out to the world. We are going to go back to our drawings soon because I need you to look and decide what kind of salt and what kind of light you are. But I said earlier that the Beatitudes were like a breath, or like a breath away from what we talked about today. So it's been a week in real life for us since we heard about the Beatitudes, but this is what Jesus is referring to. So those who are meek, those who are humble, those who are poor in spirit, and the list goes on. All of these things is what Jesus is talking about. Somebody who is the salt of the earth, it is obvious that they depend on God. It is obvious that the glory goes to God. It is obvious that they are humble. It is obvious that their world is God's world. And it is obvious that he his justice and love and mercy flows through them. So I want you to turn to the beginning of chapter 5, and I want you to review the Beatitudes that Hans Eric spoke about last week, and remember that you are, 
each of these. And I want you to think about them in terms of your attribute list. Even though we are each of these things, some things we are better at and some things we struggle in. Are you poor in spirit? If you were 100% poor in spirit, well, I don't think there is anyone who is, but that means you live entirely 100% dependent on God for every single moment and every single breath, and you are cognizant of it. Or maybe you struggle a little bit with pridefulness. That is the opposite. Where are you in your review of the Beatitudes? And likewise, when you look at your selfie and your list of spiritual attributes that you wrote down, what kind of light does that represent to other people? So I said we were making a selfie and we weren't supposed to use filters and we weren't supposed to make it look good. We're supposed to make it look accurate. So when people see you, when people see your attributes, we are supposed to be a reflection of the source we got it from. So what do they see of God when they look at you? Do they see that strobe light that's flashing and bringing glory to itself? Or do they maybe see a different kind of light? You can use your imagination as you describe it. I think of the lighthouse because it's an easy one. But a lighthouse brings a warm light to people who are stranded in the night in a storm. And so I think my difference would be between a strobe light and a lighthouse, and I'd like to strive to be more like the lighthouse. But you can describe your light any way you want. Maybe it's a flickering candle. You're burning and you're strong for God, but sometimes you flicker a little. Or maybe it's a warm, roaring fire. Maybe it's a passionate fire. Maybe it's a flashlight. These next few minutes, I want you to describe what kind of light you are and what kind of light you would like to be. And that is how we are going to end today. But I want you to remember that nobody's going to be perfect in this lifetime. As disciples, we strive. We strive to be the necessary salt and light. But we don't have to wait until we are the right kind of light to start shining that light to the world. God created you, and he said that you are good. Christ died for you, and he saved you by grace. You are his disciple now. You have a purpose on this earth now. Your job is to glorify God now. And right now is the time to light, let your light shine before all and to bring glory to the kingdom of heaven. Amen.